Welcome back to the Did you know Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Carson. Today we have Devontae Lewis with us to talk about the November 13th election, specifically Amendment 2. Uh, Devontae, how are you doing today? Doing pretty well. How are you, Jamie? I'm good. Um, we got the election coming up. It's not going to be nearly as uh, high profile some of the elections that we saw go down in Virginia and New Jersey, but uh, we hope that uh, we can get some people to pay attention uh, to these important amendments. Um, so that's what we're here to talk about today. It's probably the most subdued Bama week I've ever been a part of. So at least we have, uh, we're not fighting that. <laughs> different time. I, I think yes, it's a very yes. different time. Yes. All. It's hard to believe that, you know, we're, we're a year away. We're already a year removed from the 2020 election and we're a year away from the midterm. So it's, 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 it's gone fast. Um, we're just kind of chugging along here. Um, as we mentioned, we're here to talk about the November 13th election here in Louisiana. Um, I think for many people outside of New Orleans, the four amendments might be the only thing on the on their ballot. Uh, New Orleans, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they have everything from from mayor to dog catcher on, on there. Yeah, New, New Orleans has a, a, a host of municipal elections, but one parishes. Um, that will have absolutely nothing on their ballot, but it, but outside of these four constitutional amendments, and majority of the other parishes that do outside of the city of Orleans have uh, some very low special elections. There's some justice of the peace. There's some constable races. Um, there's a few um, school board races here and there. There's three uh, special uh, legislative races. Um, one, of course, is in Orleans, so that doesn't really change, but. Uh, one out there in Calcasieu Parish for the 27th uh, Senatorial District, uh, former Senator Ronnie Johns, and then also up there in Monroe from former Representative, now Judge Fred Jones. So outside of those, th this is really what uh, the November 13th election is about. Yeah, and just to refresh everyone's memory, not that I have to remember to remind many people about Hurricane Ida here in South Louisiana, but this election was originally scheduled for October 9th was rescheduled for November 13th because of Ida. But let's go back a little bit further um, because this, uh, we're, as I mentioned, we're talking about Amendment 2. There's four amendments on the ballot. We're going to talk specifically about Amendment 2. Um, before we get into kind of the, the ballot language, what it does, kind of our concerns with it, let's go back to the spring legislative session. And Devante, can you just kind of tell me how this amendment kind of took shape during session? Yeah, uh, this really started from a push um, from the business community, along with Chairman of Revenue and Fiscal Affairs in the Senate, Brett Alon, uh, who really derived this plan that we needed to get rid of the federal deduction, federal income tax deduction, but also that they had this very interest in bringing down the personal income tax rates in our state. Um, they use the Tax Foundation, which is pretty much a conservative tax organization, um, and they have ranked Louisiana kind of in the middle of the pack. Um, and, and we, uh, some of our legislators really want to see us rise on that list. And one of the suggestions to rise on that list is lowering personal income taxes. Mm -hmm. But we really saw a converted effort. And I mean, I give them a lot of credit for, for attempting this, that they had somewhat learned the lessons of Bobby Jindal, that they were not interested in doing tax reform that was going to blow a hole in our state budget and create a deficit 
uh, the way that the Jindal tax plan did. Um, and so they really started from this premise that whatever they were going to do had to be revenue neutral. Whatever changes they were going to make, if they were going to reduce rates, they had to find revenue to match what the, the, the reduction in, in revenue that would come from a rate reduction. Um, and so that's kind of how we got into this process and why it dragged on a little bit, uh, because they were trying to make the numbers work, trying to figure out how we can keep um, our pledge of making sure that this is revenue neutral, this is not going to endanger higher education, healthcare, um, and services in Louisiana, but also create and do what they wanted to do, which was lowering rates. And so that's really how this debate started. That's where the debate centered in the session. I mean, that's kind of how we ended up down this path of the package and the amendment before the voters today. And you mentioned the federal income tax deduction. Can you uh, give a brief explanation for our listeners? Because I know it's a, it's the really the linchpin of this package. It makes it possible. But I know a lot of people may use it, but they don't they don't really understand what it is. Absolutely. And so what the federal deduction is, I mean, it's a very um, complex and very simple. Louisiana is one of two states that allows people to deduct their federal income taxes from their state income taxes. Um, most other states have gotten rid of this deduction. Um, we see conservatives from liberals agree that this deduction is not um, the best policy possible. Um, we pretty much lose an estimate somewhere um, around $796 million to upwards to $900 million in lost revenue that would have paid in taxes simply because of this. So this is a tax break that benefits the wealthiest households and corporations in the state. Uh, leads to Louisiana being one of the most taxation, meaning the poor and the that pay a lot more income in tax than do the wealthy and corporations. And another thing why it's a it's a good reason for us to, I guess, untangle ourselves from this is because there's an inverse relationship that happens with this. So if whenever it when, whenever Louisianans deduct their federal income taxes on their state returns, um, let's say that taxes go up in Washington, your federal taxes go up. That means you can deduct more from your state returns. So the state is losing money on that. Now, if taxes yeah. go down at the federal level, Louisiana Louisianians deduct less, and then you see um, an un unexpected boom. And we kind of saw that a, a few years ago with the, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, the Trump tax cuts, where people were paying less than federal taxes, um, and Louisiana got a tax, a tax um, incre increased tax revenue because of that. Yeah, we saw about almost $600 million invested back in the state simply because of the uh, Trump tax cuts. Um, and we could see almost the reverse effect um, in 2022, for instance, if uh, the tax increases on wealthier individuals stay in the Build Back Better proposal by President Biden and it is approved by Congress, um, well, that will also change the revenue. And so that is why it's recognized um, the federal deduction on its own as very good tax policy because of the volatility that it brings to state collections. Um, and that's why you see everyone agree on this. But I think the challenge for the proponents of Amendment 2 is they would like you to believe that this is the only thing Amendment 2 is about. Yep. Uh, they only want to talk about this portion that we all agree on, that everyone knows is not uh, making our state stable. 
um, and has some volatility into it. But the challenge with Amendment 2, as we'll get into later, is there's a lot of other details that they're leaving out when they don't tell you, um, when they only focus on the federal deduction as the reason Amendment 2 must pass. Well, let's get into what they're leaving out right now. So I have the ballot language in front of me, and it, I mean, it seems pretty simple. It's, it reads, do you support an amendment to lower the maximum allowable rate of individual income tax and to authorize the legislature to provide by law for a deduction for federal income taxes paid? Sounds pretty simple, right, Devontae? Sounds extremely simple, but this amendment actually authorizes four different legislative instruments. And so when you think about that, typically a constitutional amendment um, has one piece of legislation that is the what we call the companion legislation. Um, that is the enacting um, institution or the enacting policy in the statute that follows what the Constitution says. Uh, what we have rarely ever seen a constitutional amendment have four different pieces of legislation that is attached to it, um, telling you how this amendment really is misleading in its face value. So I'm going to briefly kind of go through those. Uh, so the first one um, was the constitutional amendment that, that, as you just read the ballot language, but what that amendment doesn't do is that it caps the top income rate for individuals at 4.75%. And that's down from 6% of current law. So if you're thinking about that, we are telling millionaires in the state of Louisiana, which we would have followed the budget project and Representative Landry's bill would have moved them to 9% to pay their fair share. We're telling millionaires that you pay a 6% on your top income bracket right now. And now under the constitution, the highest you can ever go now on a millionaire is 4.75. But when we get into the enacting legislation, this bill actually sets the top rate at 4.25. So this is a massive, massive reduction um, of personal income taxes for the wealthiest and richest Louisianians. Secondly, well, let, what let me this just, does for, for oh, the yeah, viewers, let me just tell, like, just explain why this is the, the top income tax rate is such a problem. Let's say in two or three years, there's another recession. The oil prices go down. Louisiana it, it needs revenue, and we need to increase taxes to to provide for this revenue to pay for vital services that we all need. We would have to go back to voters and ask them. We have to go back through another constitutional amendment. We'd have to go back through another election to ask voters to increase this top rate. It makes it so much harder to raise revenue that we're inevitably going to need for the next recession. So Absolutely. that's just kind of why the, the top income tax rate is just simply a bad idea. But yet, yeah, go on to another. Yeah, and, 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 and even if they wanted to, to, to lower the rates, they should have left the constitutional cap alone. Because let's say, Absolutely. for instance, we, we do this experiment. And the data comes back and it's not revenue neutral the way that they have expected it to be, that it doesn't work out their way. We can't even say, you know what, let's just return back to the way we were doing personal income taxes, because now we're going to have to go back and actually amend the Constitution mm -hmm. to come back to the system that we've been so accustomed to. So that's another kind of problematic point with the constitutional amendment. The second point of the constitutional amendment is, we talked about the Fed deduction a second ago. They have you to believe that the Fed deduction now will disappear and that volatility will disappear. But one of the caveats that's not being talked about enough is that they actually do not eliminate 
the Fed deduction out of the Constitution. They merely change it to be permissible. Mm-hmm. So what that what for, for the viewers, what that means is currently in the Constitution, it requires that we allow Louisianians to have the federal deduction. What we're saying is if you really believe that we should get rid of it, we should have completely banned the federal deduction in the Constitution. But we change the word that Louisiana voters shall have a federal deduction to Louisiana voters may have a federal deduction. This means that at any given point in time, the legislator can come back and say, you know what? I took a lot of heat for this. I'm going to go ahead and reinstate the federal deduction because my voters, my people are telling me to do so. But even if we reinstate the federal deduction, the permanent changes in the personal income tax rates stay. So what we mean is we can end up giving millionaires a permanent personal income tax cut and then also coming back at any time in our future and giving those same wealthy individuals back this deduction, giving them even more of a tax cut. Uh, and that's very problematic that a lot of people want to talk about. We, the, the proponents spend a lot of time saying everybody's bracket changes. Everybody's seeing a tax cut, which in theory is technically true. They are lowering all the brackets, all the rates. But as we mentioned earlier, who is getting the biggest? <laughs> it's those at the top. They're going to go from mm-hmm. 6% to 4.25%. And then they still know that they have the likelihood of lobbying their legislators to bring back the federal deduction, which at the end still benefits mostly wealthy, rich individuals. So there's a lot in this plan on face value that can get glossed over in the shining talking of points about simplification and making us great for business and cutting taxes. But what it really is not telling you is that who is this simplifying for? Who is getting the tax cut? Who is benefiting the most? And that is wealthy individuals and corporations. And the last thing I'll say about kind of the the bad things that are in the bill that they don't tell you about before we kind of move on to what's actually in uh, what the bill actually does is it also includes a trigger for automatic additional tax cuts if certain economic and revenue thresholds are met. So the economy could be going well. We're bringing in a lot of new revenue. And it's finally time to start making some new investments in our people that have been neglected for decades. But we can't do that because we're going to prioritize tax cuts over those investments. And that's just a huge problem for our state and for our people. Yeah. I mean, most of the time we hear about these triggers that will automatically reduce taxes in certain economic and budget conditions if they are met. Um, And we hear that tax cuts are, are, are normally framed in this like this is very physically responsible legislation that if the government takes in too much money, then we ought to give it back to the people. Um, And nothing is responsible about forcing future tax cuts, because let's remember this. Legislators don't know the future. They are not uh, Madame Cleo. They can't look at a crystal ball and tell us exactly what's going to happen. So there is no way of knowing when a recession, when a natural disaster, another global pandemic will take place. Um, Nor do they know when other legislators will want to prioritize tax cuts over, let's say, investments in public schools and our teachers and infrastructure, public health and social safety net. So uh, uh, this trigger means that regardless of what our state of the state is at the time, we could be in the moment of recovering from a major hurricane 
We could be in the moment of covering from an economic downturn, or we could find ourselves right back in a global pandemic. If our economic stature is better, we say regardless of we may need more money for public health, regardless that we may need to put more money in education and for our teachers and for higher education. Let's delay Charles Bridge. Hopefully doesn't ever fall, but let's God forbid that it does fall. This trigger says before we take any of those priorities first, the first thing we're going to do is cut taxes. And that's just not responsible budgeting. That's not responsible legislating. That's just not responsible to the investments that we need to make in the people and in our state of Louisiana. I mean, you touched on the point that it would it would pretty much turn down additional revenue that our state needs. And I mean, when you look at our tax structure, kind of how it is right now, right now, our current tax structure, it fails our citizens in two ways. One, it doesn't raise enough revenue. And two, it's regressive. So low income households pay taxes at a higher rate than, than those at the very top. I don't think Amendment 2 would do anything to change that. So Devonta, in your opinion, and kind of just from your analysis of the bill, we've talked a lot about the misleading ballot language, kind of the, the background of it. What does Amendment 2 do? I mean, for me, it looks like it cuts revenue. It kind of maintains the status quo. Kind of give me your layout of what Amendment 2 does. Absolutely. And I think your, your, your last point is taken. I tell this to people all the time. When you think about the state of Louisiana, if you're someone making $17,000 a year, which Let's remind our viewers, $17,000 a year is a minimum wage job. It is a, so these are, these are not people who are not working or part-time workers. This is someone working full-time on a minimum wage job. $17,000 a year, when you combine your state and local um, sales, property, and income taxes, you're going to pay about 12% of your overall income and in taxation. But if you're at the top 1% of our state, someone who makes $475,000 a year and above, when you combine that same, same, same formula, state and local sales, property, and income taxes, you're going to pay just roughly shy of 6% of your overall income. So that's what we talk about when we say regressivity. I just wanted to give the viewers a yep. clear view of what we mean there. But let's be clear what Amendment 2 does. Amendment 2 does really four things. It's very simple. The first thing that it does is it removes the federal income tax as a as a automatic deduction for personal income taxes, which everybody agrees is good. The second thing that it does is it caps personal income tax in our state constitution at four point seven five percent, and it and in that it also lowers all brackets, but the major bracket that is lowered is the top bracket who goes now from 6% to 4.25%. The third thing that it does is it adds a trigger and it says we are going to prioritize tax cuts in the future over investments if for some reason Louisiana hits an economic marker. And there is a rubric in the legislation that identifies what um, those activities have to be before the trigger is instituted. And finally, what's also not talked about very much is it also reduces and lowers and changes the corporate income tax rate. So what it does is we're going to move 
from having a two, four, six, seven, and eight percent brackets to a 3.5, 5.5, and a 7.5. So our large corporations in this state, I just want to make everybody be clear, gets a tax cut, while some of the smaller brackets and corporations actually get a little bit of a tick um, in their income. So that's what this amendment does. And, and, and let's be clear about that. Most of the proponents want to only tell you one or two of the items in this. They want to make it like, guess what? The rich, the rich are losing their deduction. Therefore, this is good. So this is not um, a tax cut for the rich, but they don't tell you they cut personal income taxes and they cap it and they have the largest income tax. They'll say everybody, everybody's going to see a tax cut. But if you're someone at that lower bracket who are paying about 2% of 2% on your personal income taxes, you're looking at maybe a hundred bucks, if mm -hmm. that. Um, and, and so we, we, gotta be, we gotta be real honest about this, that um, this amendment is very convoluted, has multiple parts to it, multiple pieces going to it, and there are some good things. But the delusion is that this is not reform because it doesn't change the status quo. We just talked about regressivity. Louisiana has the highest state and local sales tax combination of any state in the nation, nearly 10%. We already talked about how the poor Louisianas pay more in taxation. We haven't even talked about the racial equity component of this, where if you're Black in the state of Louisiana, you pay about 8.8% .8 of your income in taxes, while if you're white in Louisiana, you're paying about 8% of your income in taxes. This doesn't change the inequities in our tax policy where black families are paying more than white families. It also doesn't do some of the challenges that we know are facing our state. We know that the half penny that we agreed to under Governor Jindal, uh, excuse me, under Governor Edwards and the legislator in 2018 rolls off in 2025. 2025, that's gonna be nearly 500 million, a half a billion dollars. This plan does nothing to put Louisiana in a better state for when we come down the road in three years. We also have to remember, we're going to face some very serious fiscal cliffs. We have a bunch of money that we got from the American Rescue Plan. All of that money has to be gone by 2026, but it has to be appropriated by 2024. We're going to have increased money from Hurricane Ida and Laura uh, and Delta uh, that, that we are now going to be appropriating. We're going to have whatever expenses we get out from the Build Back Better proposal if it passes Congress. So when we talk about structural change, this really doesn't change the fact of the matter of who pays taxes in Louisiana, how we're collecting taxes in Louisiana, and who is carrying the most tax liability. But what it does is it moves around some things to impress a website to move up on their ranking system when it doesn't actually improve the lives of Louisianians, because like I said, even the changes that are meant for poor and middle-class Louisianas, they are so narrow, we may not even feel them. But if you're a big corporation, if you're a wealthy millionaire, you've got something out of this proposal. And that's why I think Amendment 2 is so dangerous, because it is distorting the facts to Louisianians that everybody's going to see some great economic boom more jobs are going to be coming. And, and that's just sparse. Uh, the last point I'll make, Jamie, about this, and then we can talk talk some more. Well, is, you, we I often hear touch on that. I mean, how many yeah. 
it's just not reality for for a young family to be to 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 go. Oh my! Did you see Alabama's new top income tax rate? Wow! Or did you see Mississippi's new top income tax rate? That's where I want to go. Let's take my family, move them there because of the top income tax rate. No, they want to look at quality of life. How are the roads? How are the schools? I mean, you, those are the investments that you make, and those are the things that attract people. It's not going to be a top income tax rate. That's just not the reality of how people think. So I just kind of want well, to, let's, to let's, put let's, that let's in, talk, in, in. Yes, that's so great, Jamie. That's a great point. And let's let's put this into real world experiences because it teaches a different lesson. I mean, <laughs> Please, the, the proponents claim that lowering the top tax rate will usher in new jobs and economic growth. Everybody will look at Louisiana mm -hmm. and say, I'm going to leave all of these other states, bring my jobs there, and come. When we know, as you mentioned, quality of life, how well are our schools? How well are our roads and bridges? How is our poverty index? What is the quality of life is the economic marker? But let's, but let's, let's talk about this. If we did what we would propose, which is raising the corporate income tax rate for the top, the highest, biggest paid corporations to bring in revenue to invest fully into our education and into our infrastructure and the healthcare. If we did as the Louisiana Budget Project put on the table last legislative session to en enact an inheritance in a state tax and move the top rates for those half millionaires and millionaires to eight and 9%, that would bring investments into our state that would bring financial resources so we can fully fund uh, early childhood education and get all of our kids a head start, or we could actually repair the roads and bridges in our state because we had the financial means. But but we've told that would harm our state. But let's talk about states that have done exactly what I just said. Six of eight states, including the District of Columbia, that have enacted new high income tax brackets since 2000, have seen private sector economic growth that has met or exceeded their neighboring states. So what does that mean? When states invest in their people, when they, when they make the rich and millionaires pay their fair share, they have seen economic growth because they are reducing poverty and they are improving the quality of life. So if we want jobs, if we want economic growth, we should not be giving tax breaks to the rich. We should make them pay their fair share and invest it in our children, in our community, in our workers. And then we will start to see economic growth. And we have watched other states do it. We've watched the District of Columbia do it. We've watched states say, you know what? The high earners should pay their fair share to make sure that everyone in our state has an equal standing. And then we will see economic growth. So if the proponents really care about job creation and economic growth, well, let's improve our workforce. And our workforce isn't just about job training. Our infrastructure is not just about roads and bridges. It's in investing in our people. It's ensuring that they have good paying jobs to go to. They, they can get a good paying job by having affordable higher education, that they can even go to a higher education institute because they have quality childcare to watch their children while they go to school. And then we invest in early ed and we invest in healthcare to ensure that our workers have time off to care for their child. If we do public policy that centers people, we'll get economic growth, but not just cutting taxes for the rich and somehow expect that everything will trickle down and the poorest of Louisianians will finally see something. That's just simply not true. And simply the facts prove that it's never worked. It will never work. And we need to do something different. 
So let's just do a quick recap here for Amendment 2 um, about what it actually does. It cuts much re needed revenue. It means the status quo, the, you know, the status quo in Louisiana where teachers are underpaid, a third of our kids live in poverty, um, and childcare is pretty much non-existent. Um, it makes future reforms harder, and it prioritizes future tax cuts over investments. I mean, any way you look at this, the ta this tax swap is, is just not tax reform. So Devante, tell, tell our listeners where they can find some more information um, about this amendment and just the election in general. Absolutely. I mean, I think this is the key part. It is not full tax reform as your last statement. Don't, don't, don't be fooled. There are some good portions of this, but when, but, but it, it, it's like the glass half full type of thing. You, you can't, you, you can't give me one good thing and then four bad things. Um, because we took it, it's almost like playing hokey pokey. You put your right foot in, but at the same time, we're taking our left foot, our right arm and our left arm, and we're taking it backwards. So we're not actually really moving forward. But if you want to read more and understand this more and kind of get in the nitty gritty of the details, you can go to our website, labudget.org, and you can read our tax swap is not reform brief. Um, and you can also read our full LPB constitutional amendment guide that tells you not only about amendment two, but about amendment one, three, and four, because remind you, there's four constitutional amendments on this. If you're interested in sharing to your friends, your families, your coworkers, your community, your neighbors about Amendment 2 and why, is, why it's not good, you can go to investlouisiana.org slash no on two, the number two, not the word two. So investinlouisiana.org slash no on two, the number, and you can see exactly why and amplify the message that we are talking about why Amendment 2 simply is not real tax reform for the state of Louisiana. Um, and then you can follow us uh, on Twitter and Instagram um, and Facebook at LA Budget uh, and learn more. We have just over um, two more days of early voting, uh, fr Friday and Saturday. Um, and, then, and then Election Day on November 13th, the polls open at 7 a.m., um, in your local areas, and then you can go make your voices heard. Um, and I'll tell people, this is an important election because the Republicans and the legislative leaders decided at the last second, instead of having a regularly scheduled constitutional amendment ballot that we would have normally done in, in November of 2022, when you would go to the polls to vote for your United States Senator, your member of Congress, and some other local jurisdictions a high turnout election, an election that's already on the books for the state, they decided at the last second to appropriate money to create a statewide election for this amendment ballot. So this, I just want everybody to recognize, this was not supposed to be a statewide election this fall. New Orleans was always going to have their municipal elections. The special elections always typically fall on when somebody else is having an election. But these constitutional amendments were not supposed to happen this year. They were supposed to be on the ballot in 2022, but they moved them up to try to keep voter participation down. And because they know that, it means your voice matters even more because we're not expecting that many people to turn out and vote, which means when one vote matters, one vote actually matters because you have an undue influence simply because we know we're thinking about somewhere that I think the Secretary of State um, and some of the local pollsters have said anywhere between 13 to 16% of our state turning out. So less than a half 
a million people they expect to turn out in this election, which means every vote matters. So call your neighbor, call your friend, call your relative, call your coworker and tell them, hey, even if you may not know anything, you should read about Amendment 2 and just vote no. Very well said. I don't think I could have said it better myself. Devante, thanks for joining us today. To all of our listeners, thanks for listening. As Devante mentioned, follow us on social media. Um, go to our website, www.labudget.org, for more information. Uh, subscribe to the Daily Dime. We'll be pushing out information about this almost daily up until November 13th. So, as always, thanks for listening. Y'all have a great day.